What's up, everybody? Perry Aston here, co-founder of the Unwrap Sports Network, asking you to check us out on Sportscaster, the host of this podcast, as well as many other Unwrap Sports Network members from across the entire country, are streaming live on Sportscaster. You can live chat with your host, even send them virtual gifts and tips to keep them churning out the best content that you love. So head on over to sportscaster.com slash unwrapped. That's sportscaster, S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R. Or download the Sportscaster iPhone app and tune into the entire Unwrapped Sports Network live on Sportscaster. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of NBA Unwrapped Podcast. I'm finally joined by our other host, Jordan, Jordan Childs. Jordan, how you doing? What's going on, everybody? So we recently got to take over the NBA Unwrapped page, the account, the podcast. Um, we're me, Jordan, and uh, Anthony Sagasman. We're going to be the directors at NBA Unwrapped. Um, so pretty excited. Uncharted territory. Get to start. Get to take over this podcast. Yeah, be sure to follow us over at NBA Unwrapped if you haven't yet. We live tweet uh, a decent amount of the games, uh, some highlights and stuff like that. Uh, so be sure to follow us on there if you're not already. Yep. So today we're going to go over just basically a rundown of everything that's happened so far, um, at least the major stories in the NBA season. We're going to start with the, the Clippers and Lakers, go into the Eastern Conference, talk about you know the Raptors, Celtics, Sixers. And, um, you know, Luca and, and uh, James Harden is going to be another big point. Um, so, Jordan, you're a Lakers fan, kind of, sort of. Yeah, I um, mean, yes, and uh, what, I have two years left of my deal after this season. Yeah, you're a LeBron fan. So, so uh, the floor is yours. I want to know what you think so far. Uh, I mean, it's about as best as, as you could possibly get being 17 and three to uh, a quarter into the season or a fifth into the season. Uh, they're, they're taking care of business. They're doing what they have to do. They're against teams under 500. They're, uh, they're undefeated. They did what they had to do there against the East. They're undefeated uh, against teams above 500. I think they're six and three now after that recent loss to the Mavericks, but they're fantastic. And the LeBron Anthony Davis duo is just good as advertised. Uh, on the season so far, the Lakers are sixth in offensive rating, uh, 111, which is three above league average. Defensive rating, they're fantastic. They're fourth at a 102.9, which is way below league average, which is uh, 108.4. So that gives them a net rating of uh, 0.8 or 8.1, which is third in the league. So they're 17-3, third in the league. LeBron's uh, been fantastic. It's his best that he's looked on defense since uh, his Miami Heat days. He has 101 uh, defensive rating himself. He's leading the league in um, in assists per game. Uh, he's shooting the three ball well. Um, and him and Anthony Davis have been fantastic. Anthony Davis is averaging 26 points per game, nine rebounds per game, three assists per game. Uh, he's shooting the most threes of his career per game. And he's making them at the highest rate ever. He's shooting 34.4 after a really, really slow start from back up there. And uh, he's also leading the league in blocks, too. So those two are as good as advertised. Danny Green's been a little hit and miss. Uh, Avery Bradley, when he was out there, uh, he was a menace on defense. They've gotten some surprise contri- uh, contributions from guys like Quinn Cook. Uh, Dwight Howard's been fantastic. JaVale McGee's pretty, been pretty good for them. 
Uh, they're really good. I mean, we'll see after they get they have the toughest schedule in December or the second. So we'll see against better opponents how they look. But after a, a fifth into the season, the Lakers look fantastic. Yeah, um, I think honestly the biggest surprise for me uh, so far from them is uh, LeBron James. Just the fact that he's he's averaging twenty six points, uh, leads the league in assists, like you said, with ten point nine assists. Uh, and on top of that, he's got 7.2 rebounds. So he could, at the end of the year, be averaging a triple-double. Um, and it, it's really cool to see him in this role where he doesn't have to be the main scorer anymore. Like, he, you know, he's still going to be LeBron. He's going to do LeBron things. But he can just control the game, control the offense. Um, like you said, it, it's, it's allowed him to be better on defense this year. Anthony Davis, some people are already saying that he's the defensive player of the year. He's just been playing that well. And I I, I had my, you know, worries about this team. I was cautious with this team. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you get Anthony Davis and LeBron together. It just looks good on paper. But, you know, I was a little curious going in. I was like, ah, I don't know, you know, how well it's going to work with everybody else around them. But they've had good contributions from a lot of guys. Most importantly, Danny Green, who just seems to be able to fit in anywhere he goes. Um, and then, like, even guys like Alex Caruso, uh, who probably should get a little bit more playing time compared to Kentavious uh, Caldwell-Pope, because, like we were talking about the other night, Caruso's not a bad defender at all. No, um, he's one of their best. JaVel McGee, Dwight Howard have been huge Rondo recently came back and hasn't really been that bad. He's not killing them like I thought he might. Quinn Cook's been good. The only guy, the only guy that, uh, well, two guys that I would like to see more from is Kuzma and KCP. Like we said, if he's going to get all these minutes, like I feel like he should be, you know, doing a little bit more than he does. Um, but yeah, they're a scary team, and I'm starting to, you know, think they like. Oh, everyone was talking about how they could go to the finals before the season started. And, I mean, it's shaping up like they really could. Um, especially when you compare them to the Clippers, who are obviously their biggest rival, their biggest um, roadblock, I guess, in terms of getting to the finals in that Western Conference. They, they seem to have – their roster seems to shape up better um, than, the, than the Clippers have. Now – they're two very different teams. They're constructed very differently. So Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you know, they're they're the focal point. They're the main duo. And, you know, they average most of the points. Whereas the Clippers, like they like Kawhi is there. He's played more games than Paul George, obviously. Paul George just came back from that shoulder injury. Um, but they still have Montrez Harrell and Lou Will who Montrez is still putting up 18 points per game, and Lou Will is putting up, what is, what is he putting up, 21.7 points per game. So it's like they haven't missed a beat from, from last season. And, and like, I don't know, it, it's like the, you, you wouldn't call them role players. Like, they have a more important role on the team than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the, the Clippers are certainly the more deeper team and probably the more talented team from one through ten when it comes to playoff time when when they're only playing around 10-8 guys. The Clippers definitely have the deeper team, 
But going into a playoff series, uh, having LeBron and Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis, he hasn't been to the playoffs a lot, but when he's there, he dominates like that when they swept the Blazers when they were like the sixth seed uh, a few years back. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm so high on them in the playoffs, too. But 100%, they're going to have to go through the Clippers. And the Clippers have been fantastic this year. And this is with Kawhi not even having that great of a career uh, a year this year. Uh, still with that, the Clippers are fifth in offensive rating. Uh, they're just above the Lakers. They're 111.7. Lakers are 111 uh, even. And their defensive rating, um, they're a little behind the Lakers there, which once Kawhi and Paul George are healthy and come towards the end of the year when they're actually getting into the playoffs, that's they're probably going to be the best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, so they have a net rating of 6.9. That's fifth in the league. They're 15-6, and six, uh, and that's with Paul George missing time. That's with Kawhi missing time. So uh, 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, the Clippers are probably the better team, like flat out, like you were saying. Um, but when it comes to the better duos, though, I, I think it's fair to say that the Lakers probably have the better duo. Yeah, I think that yeah, that's basically what I was trying to say is that the Lakers duo, their top heavy pieces seem to be better whereas yeah, the Clippers just have more depth. So they can they kind of don't need uh Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to do everything. Now, regardless of that, I mean, like you said, Kawhi Leonard's still averaging 26 points per game. Paul George, he's only played 10 games, but he's still averaging 23 points per game. Um they're both shooting above 40%. And, uh, you know, Kawhi, like you said, he's not even having a great season from, you know, what we're used to, I guess, basically from last season, uh, maybe his last season on the Spurs. But he's only shooting 30% from three. So, yeah, like that, that's the only it, thing that that's sticking out. He's not shooting the three ball well from the field. He's only like 45%. But two really, really just things that stick out with him. Uh, he's averaging 5.3 assists, which is the most in his career by a decent amount. I think by like two assists per game, and his defensive rating is fantastic. It's down, it's down to a 97.5, which is, which is fantastic. That's way below league or way above league average. And then same uh-huh. with Paul George. Paul George has a 98.4 uh, defensive rating. Uh, Paul George has a shooting 60. He has a 60.8 true shooting percentage, shooting 39% on threes, like nine attempts per game, um, and that's scary because both of those guys can create for themselves from anywhere from three uh because Kawhi's three-point shooting is going to go up so they can create for themselves from three uh efficiently they can get a shot from the mid-range efficiently they can create for others at a crazy rate uh they're two of the they're the the two best wing defenders in the NBA hands down like no argument against that um so that's why it's so scary then you still got Lou Will and Montrose Harrell it's the best pick and roll in basketball uh, Patrick Patterson's had a little bit of a role. Jermichael Green's been pretty good. Landry Shamit's been out with an injury. Uh, Patrick Beverly's been doing Patrick Beverly things. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Clippers are just good. So to compare yeah. the two teams, uh, honestly, even as a little bit of a Laker guy since LeBron's there, um, I picked them to make the finals. But the Clippers are the better team. Uh, they're the deeper team. They're probably the better offensive and defensive team, to be honest. Even though the stats don't show that right now, it's definitely going to even out. Uh, especially come playoff time. But I just believe in LeBron and Anthony Davis so much together. Anthony Davis, is he, he's literally incredible. Like, like I said earlier, 26 points per game, nine assists per game, three rebounds per game. He's averaging like two-something blocks per game leading the league, 116 offensive rating, 98 defensive rating. He's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. And honestly, LeBron's been the best player on the Lakers so far, but the stats say otherwise. But if you watch the games, 
you definitely know LeBron's been the best player for them, but that's just crazy. LeBron has never had a player this good uh, as his teammate. Like when Dwayne Wade was there, probably the first two years, he was still Dwayne Wade and he was still great. But Anthony Davis right now is better than Dwayne Wade was in 2000 to 2011, uh, just, just hands down. So it's really exciting to see him playing with someone like that. And I think LeBron's pretty excited to be playing with someone like that, too. You can see just how energized he is night in, night out. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely uh, a whole different culture there in L.A. than it was last season. You can just tell the, oh, the Lakers. Sure. You just can just tell having way LeBron more likes playing with this team. Like last year at times, it just looked like he didn't want to be there with Luke Walton and and four really young kids who were still trying to figure it out. You could see LeBron getting frustrated. And uh, with yep. Anthony Davis, someone who's been in the league now eight years, who's been for the last like five superstar type talent, uh, it's just nice to see that LeBron has that guy again. Because even Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving wasn't the guy. Like he was a very, very good player. He was a super, not even superstar, he was a star player in Cleveland when LeBron was there. But he wasn't another guy that LeBron could rely on night in, night out to carry a load on both ends, uh, you know, blocking shots, switching on people, getting and making the night the right read, scoring in the post, scoring from three. Uh, he hasn't had a player like this since Dwayne Wade. Yeah, and, and like you said, like it's just it, yeah, it's just like a player that he just meshes, he just fits well next to LeBron. It's just somebody that LeBron can take advantage of. Um, like or used to his advantage, I guess. Yeah, um, for sure. LeBron's the best pick and roll uh, ball handler in the league, and Anthony Davis is probably the best pick and roll player. And uh, Anthony Davis is at his best when someone's giving him the ball. That's why they re- they made it a priority to re-sign Rondo. As frustrating right. as it is. Yeah. But uh, um, what were you yeah, I think I think we're good on the the Lakers and Clippers. Um, they're definitely the two best teams in the West come playoff time. Um, and that's going to be a really fun series. I think we're all anticipating that happening. Yeah. Is there anybody uh, in the West, just real quick, that you are surprised from that you think will compete at the end of the season? Uh, I wa- you know, I want to say the Mavs, but I picked them to make the playoffs. But Luka's been so good. They're they're better I'm than I thought they were going to so be. So impressed by um, them. Everyone, Tim Hardaway. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, like how another team that's been a bit impressive, uh, even though they've fallen off a little bit, is the Suns. But I also like the I like the Timberwolves. Uh, they, they've been surprising. Yeah, I like the Timberwolves. I think um, you know we did the whole the whole podcast where we did our predictions for the playoffs, and you know none of us had them in there. I think they might end up as an eighth or seventh seed by the end of the year. I don't think they're going to compete in the West. You know, like I think it'll be a first round exit, but I think they can make the playoffs. Andrew Wiggins has, you know, had a career season. Carlton Towns is having a career season. Uh, he could be an under the table MVP candidate. And another team that I'm impressed with, I don't know, you know, I feel like they've kind of gone under the radar. They were good last year too, is the Nuggets. Um, they're doing just fine. They had that one blunder the other night with Jamal Murray dribbling the clock out. Um, but overall, they've been fine. I think uh, they, what are they, 13-4. and four. So, I mean, they've, they're have they they're a pretty good team. Yeah, I had them as the number one seed in our, pre, in our preseason predictions. So, I, I, I knew they second were going to be right another, now. Yeah, I knew they were going to be another really, really good team this year. 
Yeah. You know, and in then, the opposite direction, though, a team I'm unimpressed with is, and even though I picked them to be my most, um, the most disappointing team of the year, uh, is the San Antonio Spurs. I knew they were going to be disappointing, but there was still just that little bit of, you know, pop hope and just like, oh, it's probably going to come back to bite me. But they've been disappointing, man. Yeah, they've been. They've been, yeah, uh, been this, real bad. They started off defensively, okay, too. offensively. Yeah, they were like five and two and went on like a nine game losing streak. Yeah. They, I mean, they finally got back on track. They got a big win on the Clippers the other night. Um, so, you know, that that's the thing with, with, with the Spurs, this current uh, form of the Spurs. Like last year, you know, we've gotten over this before. They went on like some crazy win streak, I think, in like January or, or February or something like that. So, I mean, if they could just hit another streak like that, they could still find their way in the playoffs. Um but yeah, they've been very underwhelming. The Demar Derozan trade rumors are flying. Um, another team I came I forgot to mention that has recently you know seemed to get back on track is the Rockets. They might make some noise in the playoffs, uh, but I don't know. I still don't like Russell Westbrook. I don't know. Yeah, come playoff time, I still don't believe in Westbrook. But they're, they're a great regular season team. James Harden's been incredible. We'll we'll we'll, yeah. end up, we'll end up getting uh, we'll talk about him later in the podcast. But th- that's another team yeah. out west that's definitely one uh, one that that I would have a tier below the Lakers and the Clippers. But they'd probably be in like my B tier of a Western Conference contenders. Yeah, but you're right. Like the way it's shaping out, I'm hoping the Mavericks can make a splash in the playoffs. Like they they might they could get a first round win depending on who they play, depending on the For season. Sure. Uh, so let's go out east. And we're going to talk about basically the top half of the Eastern Conference. Um, let's start with my team, the Raptors. Uh, they are 13-4, and four, and they are missing and Kyle Lowry. 15-4. and four. They are missing Kyle, Kyle Lowry. They're missing, or they were missing Ibaka. Ibaka's back now. And Pascal Siakam literally looks like an MVP. A hundred percent with, like you said, Larry and Ibaka have missed extended time. And when that happened, um, when they went out originally, I, I was worried for their chances, but everything that Siakam should have worked on and had to work on to take that next step to lead this team, um, back to contention, like they could have with how deep they are. Uh, he did right now. Siakam is 100% an MVP candidate. He's averaging 25.6 points per game. That's up 8.7 points per game from last year and up 18.3 points per game from two years ago, which is a monumental jump that he's made in two seasons. Uh, he's also averaging 8.4 rebounds per game for uh, four assists per game. He's shooting 47% from the field, 39% from three on 6.5 attempts per game, which is up 17% from two years ago. And um, he's shooting... 81% from the foul line has a 56.8 true shooting percentage, 109 offensive rating, and 97.2 defensive rating. That is 100% um, MVP numbers, especially given the fact that Lowry and Ibaka have missed extended time and his team's uh, second seed in the East. Yeah, They're also and... second in net rating in the entire NBA. They're only behind the, the box. Yeah, they, they, and it's not like they've just they've had like some you know, easy schedule while Lowry and any Ibaka were out. They had to go through Western Conference, and they rattled off some big wins without those guys. They beat the Lakers. They just beat the Jazz the other night. Um, 
that beat the Jazz by I, like forty the other night. Yeah, I I cannot I cannot say any more like good things about this team. They I'm so impressed. I'm so proud of them, and like I said it before the season started, I can still see them going to the finals and the things that they're doing right now. Yeah. Like I can really see them going to the finals, especially when you compare them to the rest of the East. Um, I'd say the bucks is still the team to beat in the East, but that being said, they're obvious. I think they're still, I mean, Giannis is playing incredible. He's also still putting up MVP numbers, but I still feel like there's a flaw in that team compared to last year. Just that, like, I don't know if it's missing Malcolm Brogdon. I know Chris Middleton has missed some time. Chris Middleton's not playing like the all-star that he was last year. It just seems like they're not as good as last year. But obviously the Raptors probably aren't either with missing Kawhi Leonard. So I think the Raptors and, and the Bucks, that that's going to be the two teams to beat. Um, I'm not scared of the Sixers. I'm not scared of the Celtics, honestly. Uh, I like. I think they're beating expectations and they're doing better than people expected. But I feel like come playoff time, they're going to be an easy team to, you know, just game plan around, play defense on. You know, if, if the Raptors and the Celtics match up, I feel like the Raptors win that matchup. For sure, that's that's something that's really underrated with the Raptors is outside of the names that you expect. When Lowry and Ibaka get back, they're actually uh, obviously going to contribute. Um, Siakam's going to Gasol has been, but they've been getting getting contributions from Terrence Davis. No one knew who that was. Chris Boucher, mm-hmm. no one knew who that was. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who they signed in the offseason, has been good for them. Norman Powell's been good for them. OG Ananobi's having a a comeback season Great and another season, standout. Yeah through this stretch has been Fred Van Vliet, who has been absolutely incredible this year. He's averaging 18.6 points per game. That's plus 7.6 on last year, plus 10 exactly from two years ago, 3.9 rebounds per game, seven and a half assists, which is up to 2.7 from last year, uh, plus 4.3 from two years ago, 41% from three or 41% from the field, 40% from three, 88% from the line. Um, he's playing at near an all-star level when you when you um, just take into account what he's doing for his team uh, with Lowry being out. Yeah, and even when Lowry Lowry was in at the beginning of the season, he was still working fine just next to him, putting up insane numbers. I think like the first game of the season, remember him and him and uh, Siakam had like thirty six apiece. Yeah, like and and Lowry's still averaging um, near twenty points per game. I mean, obviously he's been missing some time, so we'll see if that number dips or goes up when he comes back, but we all know what to expect from him. And, yeah, Fred Van Vliet's been huge. I don't know who's on the Raptors scouting team, but they need a raise because Fred Van... He's fine, these guys, all the time. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet was undrafted. I'm pretty sure Terrence Davis was undrafted. If he wasn't, he went really, really late. Um, And then, you know, just throughout their history, they just had guys like that. Yeah, went late. Siakam was a late first-round pick. Nolan Powell was like a second-round pick. OG was a late-round pick. Yep. The only – I'll tell you what. The only thing – the only flaw or the only thing I don't like about the Raptors right now, even though he's still such a great defensive player, even his old age, is Marc Gasol. I'm not sure what to do with Marc Gasol. Like, I don't know if we should keep him for the playoffs or – if we should be looking to move him, I think I think you have to keep him. Um, at this point, you're not going to get anything better back from him. 
And I don't think the Raptors are in a position where they're moving good players for first-round picks. I think they would just live if he walks in the offseason. Because um, I think he's still so valuable in the, the playoffs, to be honest. Um, I just don't know if you'd get equal or even more value back uh, in a trade for him. I think you'd be losing that trade uh, in the short term and long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, depending on what, what you got back. Uh, I know people have already been saying, like, about doing like a D'Angelo Russell trade, but honestly, just the way that the Raptors are formed right now and they have players there that just won a championship together, I think, you know, they should just stick with it and just roll the dice this season and see what happens. And then, yeah. you know, if you lose, then you can figure out in the off season what to do, but you're obviously in a good, you're obviously in a good position right now, especially with the way Siakam has stepped up to like, you can, you, there's a real chance for them to go back. Or at least go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they can go to the finals the way they're playing. We'll see how they uh, how it all changes throughout the season. It's still early, but just the way they've been playing without two of their best players, uh, I'm I'm confident they're a top three. That's where I had them in the preseason. I had them third in the East, and I I think they're a top three team in the East, hands down. Yep. So the the one team in the East that. I feel like, although their record, you know, is fine, uh, they they're just disappointing to me. The fourteen and six seventy sixers, they are just such a weirdly constructed team. I don't think that the way that they're the the way that they're constructed is gonna produce in the playoffs. Now, so I'm gonna go over some numbers. So Ben Simmons, he's only averaging thirteen points per game. Uh, shooting 52% from the field, which is good. But if you look at the shots that he's taking, this man refuses to shoot anything out of, outside of 10 feet from the hoop. And it's hurting his team because if you watch the way they play, Ben Simmons comes down the court. He has to go drive into the middle to do anything. And that forces Joel Embiid to go outside and be on the perimeter. Now, Joel Embiid can knock down his three-point shots. You know, he's, he's shooting... Uh, 30%, which is respectable from a center, but he should not be that center that just sits. He, he literally looks like he has to sit on the three-point line half the time. It it creates traffic in the lane. It doesn't create good spacing, and it's even hurting other guys um, like Tobias Harris, who has been a good three-point shooter You know, historically in his career. He's only shooting 30% this year. He is averaging 18 points per game still. Uh, he's only shooting 49% from the field. Uh, it just seems like everyone there is kind of having a down season. Joel Embiid, 22 points per game, um, only nine rebounds or 12 rebounds. I'm sorry, 2.8 assists. I I don't know. They they just worry me as a playoff team. Like I don't see because they don't they don't have they don't have a closer. What they had last year with Jimmy Butler. What they even have with J.J. Redick, they just had guys that you give them the ball and it's like, go get me a shot when the game is on the line. And, you know, and they had, like I said, J.J. Redick, they had knocked down three-point shooters that you could trust all the time. Guys like Josh Richardson, who they thought would fill that role, really have not been shooting the way they, they expected. I mean, he's only averaging, he's averaging 16 points per game, but he's only shooting uh, 38% from the field. Whereas, you know, you compare that to somebody like J.J. Redick, he's, he's damn near shooting 50%. So 
I don't know. I don't like them going into the playoffs. I don't know. Like, I still, I still think they're going to figure it out a little bit more on offense. Uh, obviously, with the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid fit, that's always going to be a oddly constructed um, offense, like you were saying, because you really need an Embiid away from the basket to optimize Ben Simmons, but then taking a bead from the basket isn't optimizing uh, Embiid. So that's right. always going to exist. Uh they're basically starting two centers with Al Horford also, so that's a little weird too. Um, Harris isn't like a knockdown three-point shooter, and that's what they were expecting from him this year with not that great of spacing, uh, so that's not great either. And they don't have that guy to just run off a screen, run off a down screen, run off a dribble handoff, and knock down a crazy three like J.J. Redick. But with all that, still, they have the fifth best defense in the NBA. And I think that's why they're still winning these games that they probably shouldn't be. Um, they have the 16th best offense. So if they figure that out, th- what they have right now on defense is sustainable 100%. And that's going to be extremely good in the playoffs. So if they can just figure that out on offense and take it up a few notches to like the 10th best offense, maybe, and start shooting a little bit better from three, uh, they'll hit a whole new level. Guys like Mike Scott off the bench aren't shooting particularly well either. Uh, I know Masi Steibel has been really hit or miss as a rookie also off the bench. Uh, I don't think James Ennis is shooting the ball that great. He hasn't even played that great when I've watched them either. Uh, backup point guard's still been weird for them. They keep flip-flopping with Raul Nato and uh, Trey Burke. It really just depends on whoever they feel like is going to be the better player that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so they still have some things they got to figure out on offense with some rotations, with some lineups, uh, just their offense in general. I still think they're going to be... I, I don't know. I, I would probably have the Bucks and maybe the Raptors ahead of them just right now if I were heading into a playoff series. But we'll see how they t- how they increase their offense uh, just in general over the next few months leading into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they the whole X factor and all of it is Al Horford. Um, obviously, he has elevated this team. I, I, he's, he, Al Horford definitely works well next to Joel Embiid. He's just another big man, a good defensive player. And, you know, he can also get out on that perimeter and hit three-point shots when he needed to. But I just think, I feel like Ben Simmons, I mean, it's just Ben Simmons and Joel together. It's just always going to be weird to me. And I don't know which one you would, if you made a trade, which one you would get rid of. Um, Because I feel like, you know, I feel like a guy like Chris Paul would be like perfect on this team. Like literally, yeah, perfect. for sure. But I don't know if that's a trade they would make. You know, trading Ben Simmons away to Thunder for you know I don't know Chris no, Paul and no, Gallinari. No, you you would never do that. I mean, maybe like a Tobias Harris type trade, but I don't know who would accept that. Honestly, a trade that I really like for them would be like a Tobias Harris, Matisse Thybul, Zaire Smith for C.J. McCollum. I think that's a player that can really really help them instantly. But um, would the Blazers take that? Maybe. I don't think so. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how they improve the roster that they've built for themselves for the future now. If it wins, it wins, and that's great. But if it's not winning and you have all this weird just offensive fits and a lot of money locked up, I think you're going to have to make a decision on Ben and Joel. Yeah. And, I mean, I think if I had to make a decision just based off for future and then longevity, I would go – I would trade away Joel Embiid because just the health issues that come along with him. And if, I mean, you can even just watch the videos. They're just literally plays where he just stops giving effort on, on the court. He, it, it, it's like, 
I don't even know. It, I, he's like lazy, I guess, would be the word. But then obviously when he plays, he's amazing. But he's already had the knee issues. He's already had to uh, sit out a couple games this season already. Um, and it's not like a guy like Kawhi Leonard where, you know, you take that risk with the health issues because it can get you a ring. Like Joel Embiid, you know, really hasn't proven anything that, you know, he's worth keeping on your books um, on your team with this when it already is a weird fit and it you know if it's not working and then he has health issues like you know he might be the one that has to go yeah I mean if it, if they don't win they're gonna have to make a decision eventually and uh, I think Embiid's health is gonna play a role in it I think just honestly I think they'll shop both of them see which one brings back more value and how they can construct a team I just think it's easier to build a team around Ben Simmons uh, a guy of his caliber and his play style, you already know what works. You get some shooters around him, get him some spacing, and that's it. That's really all you need, and you can build a great, great team around a guy like Ben Simmons. He's a 6'10 point guard that can defend all five positions. Like, yeah, that, yeah like that just, that's just insane. I don't know. That, that That's my two cents on it. I just think it's easier to build a winning team around uh, Ben Simmons. But together, I still, I still think there's a way to make it work. I don't know that. I don't know if... Uh, Brett Brown's the guy that will figure that out. Um, but if the, I will, if it doesn't work again this year, I would get Brett Brown out of there and just try getting an offensive coach in there and uh, just try making it work because you have two of the best fifteen best two of the fifteen best players in the NBA. Uh, I think you got to try making it work, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, like we said, like you said, we'll see what happens this season. If Ben Simmons has another series where. Like, you know, you look at that Raptors series from last year, he literally became unplayable at certain moments on offense. If he has another showing like that and it costs them, obviously something's going to have to change. And I don't know. I just – I really don't see who's going to be that guy in a close game. Like, you look at some of the close games, even the shot where Kawhi Leonard hit the buzzer beater in game seven. Before that happened, Jimmy Butler had one of the most clutch plays. If 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 – the Sixers had won that series, we'd be saying that Jimmy Butler had one of the clutch plays in playoff history. Um, just that they missed the Raptors missed the free throw. He gets the ball, goes all the way down the court, and hits a layup. I think it was like, what, like 1.8 seconds or something like that left on the clock. I don't see. I don't see a guy like that on their team right now. Like they can just put in their hands. He even did things like you know, just shot clock running down. Jimmy Butler lost a three, goes in. Like they just don't. They just don't have that guy. I don't know who is going to step up and be that guy. It's got to be Tobias Harris, but we'll see if that works. We'll see. So the last thing we're going to touch on, this guy is absolutely the guy on the team, uh, James Harden, and just. Where where does so okay let's go over what he's been doing recently. Um, he's averaging thirty nine points per game, so that's absolutely insane. Uh, six rebounds, seven point eight assists. Uh, he got his shooting up, which was my big thing at the beginning of the season. He's shooting forty five percent from the field, thirty five percent from three. I still think that can go higher, and he's trending like it will. Um, and just overall, man, he's just been an offensive force. Where do you think he ranks now in history for shooting guards? I've been on this wave for about a year, and uh, I stick to it. I think he's the third best shooting guard ever. Um, I think it's obviously Michael Jordan, then Kobe, 
and then I think it's Harden and then Dwayne Wade. Honestly, just just flat out. Um, Harden is just an offensive engine that we haven't seen since Wilt. You can just put this guy on your offense, and you already have a top five offense flat out. It doesn't matter what you put around him. Just single-handedly, he can take care of anything. Uh, he's just – his offensive rating every single year is insane. True shooting percentage is off the charts insane every year. Um, he's just an analytic wet dream, to be honest. Uh, he finishes – he gets to the paint a lot and finishes at a high percentage there. He gets to the foul line a lot, makes a lot of foul shots, shoots a lot of threes, shoots a great percentage from three. Uh, he plays basketball in a way that is that has been trending towards the last like five six years, and uh, what it has gotten him is to the Western Conference Finals, almost beating the best team in NBA history. Um, he's gotten to countless conference finals. The last year was a disappointment. Uh, it's gotten him second in MVP in 2015, which is one that people think he should have won. Second in 2017, which is another one people think he should have won. First in 2018, uh, which was. Hands down, easily his. The only argument was maybe LeBron. And uh, second, last year, when he lost to Giannis, which is another one that people thought that he could have won. And uh, just flat out, Dwayne Wade has never had this many great seasons. Um, I don't even think he's... I think he's finished top five in the MVP race once. And uh, Harden's done it in the last... Uh, what is that? He didn't in 2016. He was like 10th. But 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019, he was second or first. Every single year, he broke the record for most consecutive games, scoring 30 and uh, 30 points. Uh, that was one another one by Wilt. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just I know that obviously, like it's not even close. Dwayne Wade was easily the better defender, like hands down. But Harden's the better shooter. He's the better finisher. He's the better foul shooter. He's the better passer. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like you put Harden on a team. And you're instantly one of the, you're you're winning 50 games instantly. We saw throughout uh, Dwayne Wade's career repeatedly, even in his true prime, uh, the Heat missed the playoffs a few times and were just not really that good of a team. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough debate. I think the playoffs you got you got to weigh a little bit too. But Harden has been pretty good in the playoffs, even with his few blunders. The the few big games stand out, and uh, obviously his play style. People just go at him in a way that we haven't seen in like since. I guess, like, since LeBron, when he was on the Heat, uh, people just don't really like the way Harden plays. So when he plays bad uh, in a a playoffs, especially a big game, people are going to point the finger at him and be like, you can't play this way to win. It's a losing style of basketball. But his team wins 50 games every year, and he almost won four MVPs. Um, I don't know. I think he's the third best shooting guard in basketball basketball history. Where are you at with this? So, as you know, obviously, being my friend, I, I'm one of those people that does not like the way he plays. Um, and, and here's why. And I've tried to explain this a million times. I, I do think that he does a lot of what, you know, flopping, com- a lot more compared to what most people do. Now, that being said, he does have a knack for just drawing fouls, and that is a true part of playing basketball. Some of my favorite players are good at drawing fouls, like DeMar DeRozan. So it's not that I have a problem with drawing fouls. It's just the way that he does it. Like, if if you watch him in volume, it can be very annoying um, to just, you know, it's like sometimes he'll be on the three-point line, and instead of going through the three-point shot, he'll literally just, like, flail it up. It's an obvious flail and like it seems like it he does it more often than not that being said i know that he can score so that's why it's annoying to me 
because I know that if he wanted to, he could be Steph Curry. As we just saw the other night when he had 60 points, he was on fucking fire. If he wanted to, he could be that Steph Curry 2015, 2016, just shooting lights out. So that's why it's annoying to me. Um, but that being said, the numbers just speak for themselves. You can't deny just the, what the man has been doing. Like I say, he's averaging 39 points per game. No matter how many foul shots you get, that's fucking insane. Um, so I think I got him uh, second now as well, or uh, third as well. Um, Michael Jordan, obviously, Kobe, and then James Harden. Because, I mean, if you even look at his playoff stats, like you said, they're really not that bad. I think he's he's still averaging near 30 points per game for his career in the playoffs. Um, then you get into all the other crazy stats of just the amount of 50-point-plus games that he's had. You know, I, I sent you the picture the other day. He literally has the most 50-point-plus games in the history of Rockets franchise, except for one game that... Uh, Oh, I don't remember who it was. It was like Hakeem. He had like a 57-point game once. Um, he's absolutely insane. So, yeah, I mean, I still would like to see him get a ring. Obviously, the big argument with D-Wade is the rings. And, you know, you if you take away the two rings that D-Wade got with LeBron, he was really the only – He was. there's only really one ring that they won that – or that the Heat won, that was, you know, D-Wade's ring. Like, he led the team and got that ring, and that was the in 05 or 06 with uh, Shaquille O'Neal. So I feel like if Harden does do that, you know, if he gets a ring, uh, I don't know if it'll be this year just based off, you know, the other teams we talked about in the West. But if he can do that, then, you know, obviously there would be no more argument and – he would just unequivocally be better than D Wade. And then we can just start comparing him to Kobe. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this dude is averaging 40 points by the end of the season, just the way that he plays. And I know everyone was worried that it wasn't going to work. He wasn't going to fit next to Russell Westbrook. Seems like they're fine. And I yeah, actually, that, I actually like That's what I was better. saying about, about Harden. You could put him with anyone anywhere and he's still going to get his yeah and i actually like them actually i shouldn't say i like them better because that 2017 rockets team with chris paul is probably like the best chance at beating the warriors but i still like this team a lot better than the team last year just yeah. the way that they're playing uh they don't even have gerald green right now who um i don't even know actually, if they'll end up getting him the rest of the year yeah, who actually kind of matters for them. They don't so, have. They don't even have Eric Gordon right now. Capella's been in that lineup a little bit. Yeah, that's another thing that's gone on the radar. Capella's been huge this year, absolutely huge for that team, um, especially on the glass. But yeah, I don't know. James Harden. I got. I guess. Yeah, I guess. I just gotta. It's definitely a debate music. right now with him and Wade. Like, I think they're both in the three or four spot. Um, like you said, if Harden gets a, a ring, I think that closes the door completely, and then we open up the Kobe one. But uh, the only reason it's a debate, in my opinion, is because uh, Wade's one ring in 2006. Like, flat out, that's the only reason. Right. And uh, it's frustrating because James Harden in 2018, if Chris Paul's hamstring doesn't just take a shit uh, in the last five seconds of that game six or game five, whatever it was, um, they win. They win that series, hands down. I mean... 
Yeah. They, they win that series. Harden wasn't even the best player in that series. They lost the best player on their team that series. Chris Paul right. was the was the guy in that series. He's hitting the big shots. He's shimmied in uh, Seth, uh, Steph Curry's face that one play. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's frustrating. Well, they probably would have won a ring that year too. That probably would be the that's that's the only knock against him is just these playoff games. You know, I mean, you already went over it, but like after like, Chris Paul went out. And you know you re- now you're relying on James Harden. He's supposed to be the guy. He's supposed to carry you. All you had to do is win one more game, and they that's, shoot the 20, terrible. The, the 27 missed threes. Like if they just make yeah. one or two, they win that. They win the series. Like uh, trust me, I, I understand why it's a debate and why people hate Harden and why they think Dwayne Wade is easily better and stuff. But it's flat out a debate, and um, I don't know. I've always had Harden above. No, I think I have him above two. Uh, and Dwayne Wade is the better defender, but Dwayne Wade never did anything super, you know, historic on defense that it would put him that much above James Harden when James Harden is literally almost every night, it feels like now he just breaks records. Yeah, I mean, besides his block shots, but block shots aren't as valuable as staying in front of your guy and making the right reads, which, I mean, he also was really good at, but it's not like when you think of the best defensive guards in NBA history, you think of Dwayne Wade, you know what I mean? That's what um, I'm saying, yeah. Like, like even yeah. even Michael Jordan gets put above Dwayne Wade. When yeah, easily. Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, I don't I don't think his defense would weigh enough over James Harden's offense, is basically yeah, what I'm how, saying. How I break it down is Harden's offense – is way be- is not way better. Now it is way better than uh, Dwayne Wade's, and uh, Harden and Dwayne Wade's defense is definitely better than Harden's. But Harden's offense is so much better than just Dwayne Wade's defense. Uh, right. So it's like, what would you rather have out of a player that's playing shooting guard? Uh, the offensive ability of Harden or defensive ability of Dwayne Wade? Most people would probably pick the offensive ability. Uh, offensive ability. Yeah, and I mean it. Dwayne Wade, it's not like he was a bad offensive player. I mean, no, he was definitely, great. definitely a great all-around shooting guard. He's still going to be top five at the end of the day. Um, but I just think James Harden, just the stuff that he's doing, like you said, just winning all these MVP votes, you just can't deny it anymore. Like, the dude is crazy. And, I mean, I still don't like watching him, and he's not going to be one of my favorite players. But – I'm not going to deny how good he is. Like, it's time to face the music. So, uh, that's the first NBA Unwrapped pod. Thanks, everyone, for for joining us. We're going to be doing this weekly, obviously, uh, just like we do with Spot Up. Uh, Probably still put up Spot Up Sports Podcasts uh, once in a while when we can. And um, let us know what you think. Where do you think James Harden ranks all time? And uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you, everybody. Solid.